Good morning. morning. And welcome to the Lord's house. Welcome to the church of our Lord, which had its beginning in the first century. And welcome to the kingdom of God's dear son. We are grateful to our creator for bringing us to this place today that we may worship him in spirit and in truth. And it is our prayer that he will guard our hearts, that he will help us to focus our minds during this period of time that we call worship. That we won't be guilty of just being here physically and not mentally but that the whole of us will be present during this service. We can't look at each other and really tell, but God knows. And really, he's the only one who needs to know, for he sits high and he looks low and he judges the thoughts and intents of our hearts. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And it is with that in mind that we humbly come before him today to express again that he is God and we are not. We, we are grateful for those of you who are visiting with us today and we extend our gratitude to you for choosing us today. For there are so many places that you could have gone, but thank God you chose to come here. We are uh, in the midst of planning for a great community day and health fair on the 22nd of this month. And we ask that all of our members and their friends and visitors and acquaintances mark that day on your calendar and come out and, and uh, have a great time of fellowship uh, with us as well as uh, some health concerns that you can find out about while you're here. We've been talking about faith for the last few Sundays now, and it's not unusual for us to talk about faith because for every Christian, the word to us concerning faith is that without it, it is impossible for us to please God. If we know nothing else about faith, that's the first and foremost thing we need to know. And that is that without faith, it's impossible to please him. And then in the 11th chapter of Hebrews verse 1, it tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it is the evidence of things not seen. The scriptures tell us as well that as Christians, we walk by faith and not by sight. So faith is the very core of our Christian beliefs system. We we can do nothing beyond our faith. There is nothing that God has asked us to do that does not require faith. 
even our salvation. It's a gift of God's grace coupled with our faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. So, in keeping with the theme of faith that we have embraced in the last few Sundays today, I want to talk with you about faithless fear. The consequence of faithless fear. It's difficult to be scared when you have faith. They are kind of mutually exclusive. If you have faith, then you don't fear. If you're scared, then you don't have faith. Someone has said that there are over 150 instances in the scriptures where God said to his people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You remember that one of the requirements for Gideon's army as they prepared to fight was that there couldn't be anybody in the army who was scared. And that was the first thing the Lord told Gideon to do. Go to your army and tell those who are afraid to go home. And the Bible says some 20,000 of them turned and went home because they had to admit at the end of the day. I'm glad God told him to ask that question because folk, it's hard being on the battlefield with folk who are scared. Can you imagine that? They're going to get a whole lot of folk killed because they're afraid. So the Lord said, let's start this breaking this army down by getting rid of those who are afraid. Just told him, he didn't talk about him. He just told him, you go home. You're in the wrong place. There may be something else you can do later on, but right now we need folk who are number one, not afraid. And then some 150 times, uh, 149 times after that, he told his children, don't be afraid. In Joshua, Chapter 1, verse 9, when he was preparing Joshua to fight the battle of Jericho. In verse 9, he said to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now that's the reason for not being afraid. It's not because you were born that way and you got a nice physique. It's not because you have a weapon in your pocket. It's not because you ain't never been scared of nobody. In this context, God tells Joshua, I want you to be Brave and strong and courageous because you remember that I promised you that wherever you go, I'll be with you. Today, I want to talk about that fear that comes as a result of a lack of faith. 
in the New Testament, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's those of us who are in the body. If you're scared today, you need to know that that didn't come from God. God has never taught us to be afraid and fearful of anything except himself. Fear not man, don't even be scared of each other. Because the only thing we can do to each other is destroy this body. But the man of God says, fear God, who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. So today, I just want to relate an account, a biblical account, and make a few observations and the message will be yours. Now, I don't want us to be confused. Fear is good and appropriate at times. Let's not be confused about that. If, if, if you walk into striking distance of a poisonous snake, it's time to fear. Mm-hmm. When you hear those rattles going, you're too close. And you need to be scared. If you're driving on the expressway, doing 70 miles per hour, and you hit the brake pedal, and it goes all the way to the floor, it's time to be scared. That's the time for some fear to kick in. If you're at the beach and you go for a swim and notice some fins headed your way, it's time to be scared. And I hope you can swim. This is the time to swim fast. So there are times when it would be foolish of us to not be afraid. But there are also times when it's just as foolish for us to be afraid. This morning, I want to talk with you a little while about that fear that we experience as a direct result of little faith. In Mark chapter 6, and this account appears in Matthew chapter 14, verses 24 through 26. It appears in Mark in chapter 6, verses 45 through 52. And it appears again in John, in John chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. So in three of the four Gospels, this account appears. And what is happening here? is that Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000 with a few loaves and some fish. And afterwards, 
The Bible says he directed his disciples to get into the boat and to go on across the Sea of Galilee back home and in essence told them, I'll come on later. You go on. The Bible says he constrained them, which means he made them do it. He didn't ask if they wanted to. He says, you all get in the boat and go on back across the sea and I'll meet up with you later. And then after he told them that, the Bible says he went over to disperse the crowd who by this time were very satisfied because they had just eaten to the field. Just as full as they could be. We know they were full because they stopped eating. Folk, folk, look. When you stop eating, you fool. And the Bible says we know they had stopped because they started picking up what was left and it was 12 basketfuls. We don't leave food laying around like that unless we satisfied. They were satisfied. And the Bible says Jesus dispersed them. And then he went into the mountains to have a little quiet time. He went to pray alone. Do, do you pray alone? Or do you only pray when you're in the midst of the church? Do you wait to come here on Sundays and Wednesdays to pray? Or is there a time in your daily routine where you get by yourself? Somewhere you go into your closet. That may be your car. It may be in the actual closet. It may be in the bathroom. It may be on the deck. It may be in the den, but it's somewhere where you can be by yourself to talk to God personally and tell him what he already knows. We ain't revealing nothing to him in prayer. We're just telling him what he already knows. So, Here's Jesus going up in the absence of his disciples to pray. And the Bible says while he's praying, he, he stayed a while, stayed some hours from them. And about three o'clock in the morning, the record picks up with the disciples in the midst of a terrible storm. And the Bible says that the winds were contrary. You know what that means? That means they're trying to go east and the wind is blowing against them. It's not behind them. It's blowing right in their faces. So they're, they're rowing and by this time they're tired and they're wet. And all of a sudden, a figure appears in the distance. And this figure is walking on the water. The Bible says the disciples were astonished and they were afraid because they thought it was a ghost. Now, they just saw Jesus on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Feeding 5,000 folk just a few hours earlier. 
But in the distance, they couldn't really recognize him for who he was. But rather than think it was Jesus, they thought they'd seen a ghost. And as a result, they were afraid. Some have suggested that they were afraid because they were in the midst of the storm. But we need to remember who we're talking about. These men weren't afraid of any storm. They had been in a storm before. They're fishermen. They've been out on the waters when they were treacherous. They've been in the winds when they've been blowing. So I doubt very seriously if they were afraid because they thought they were going to perish being in a storm. The Bible says they were afraid because they thought that what they were seeing was a ghost. In other words, nobody would normally be out here at three in the morning unless they're in a boat. Nobody has any business out here unless they're in a boat. And yet we're seeing something in the distance that's the shape of a man, but we think it must be a ghost. They weren't expecting Jesus. The last time they saw Jesus, he was on the other side of the sea. They didn't know where he was. They didn't know when he was going to show up. So they weren't expecting him. So their being afraid wasn't because they were afraid that uh, something had happened to Jesus. But they were afraid because they weren't expecting him. And yet he showed up. They weren't questioning his ability to perform miracles. They had seen him perform many miracles. But they had never seen him do this. They'd never seen him walk on the water. That's abnormal. So, so they're standing there and they're looking at Jesus and not knowing it was him. They, they said, we're seeing a ghost. And Matthew records Peter's response. Because the Lord said to them, seeing they were afraid, the Lord said, be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. Lord have mercy. Have you ever heard those words in your psyche? When you were wrestling with something or when you were scared of something and you were doubting and you didn't know which way to turn. And those of you who asked for prayer this morning, I recommend to you that you listen to the words of Jesus. Whatever's going on in your life, hear Jesus say, be of good courage. It's me that's here with you. And I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid. And the Bible says after he told them that, 
Peter said, Lord, if you let me come out there and walk on the water with you. And the Lord said to Peter, come on. And Peter jumped out the boat and was walking on the water, defying nature. And the Bible said the moment he realized what he was doing, took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at the waves he was walking on and the winds that were stirring those waves. And as he started to do that, took his mind and his eyes off Jesus and started to sink. Jesus came over and extended his hand, took him up out of the water and placed him in the boat again. And the Bible says these men that he was traveling with said, surely you're the son of God. We've seen you do some awesome things. We just, we just saw you yesterday feed 5,000 with a little lunch. We saw you raise a woman's daughter. We saw you heal a man of the palsy. We've seen you do miraculous things, but we didn't expect this. This is something we weren't looking for. We didn't know that you were going to come out here at three o'clock in the morning and defy nature in front of our eyes by walking on the water. That's something we never seen nobody do. This is the first time we've ever seen you do this, Jesus. Where's the point for us? The disciples weren't afraid of the storm. And they really weren't afraid of Jesus because they didn't recognize him as Jesus. They were afraid of what they couldn't understand. They said, this is a ghost and we're not used to dealing with ghosts. They were fearful of the unknown. They were afraid of things they had never seen before. And I want to use that platform this morning to make these few points concerning fear and faithlessness. Now, I believe you'll agree with me that at the core of much of our praying is our desire to do well. Now, that just suggests that when we pray, we're pretty, pretty selfish. Oh, yeah, we throw a few bless them in there. And strengthen them and do this right here for them over there. But when you really get down to it, what we really want is for us to be okay. And then many times we expect God to show up in one way primarily. You know what that is. At the end of the day, can you increase my check? I want you to increase my faith. I want you to increase my peace and my patience, but God, don't forget to increase my check. Oh, yeah, but we put it in different words. See, we don't come right out just like that. 
But we need to know we ain't fooling nobody. At the end of the day, we want some more goodies for us. But I want you to understand that our prayers are not always answered with money. It could be a situation that frees you up from worry and fear. It could be a scripture that frees you up. It could be a person that frees you up. But I do know this. If we lock God into answering our prayers in one way, That's all we'll allow ourselves to see. Let me go further. Often we miss the great things the Lord is doing for us daily. Even though God continues making a down payment on the promise he's made us. The Holy Spirit is a down payment. It's a seal of our covenant with God and it's a promise. You know what you do when you make a down payment? You're not ready to take the stuff home today so you put it on layaway? And when you put it on layaway, you got to make a down payment? Which means I'm going to come back to get what I've left on layaway. That's what Jesus said in John 14. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. While I'm gone, I'm going to leave the deposit of the Holy Spirit with you. And he says, in essence, if I go, I'm going to come back and get you. Just like I left you on layaway, I'm going to come back and pay that off. And take you to the place I have prepared for you. Now, here's the point of this thing this morning. We get stuck expecting God to show up like he's always showed up. But I want you to understand God shows up in different ways, folks. If we limit what God can do. To what we've seen him do. Then we live in beneath our privilege. The idea that miracles will cease. And I don't know. Some people tend to put that in with 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Where the Bible says that prophecies will cease. In these latter days. And tongues will cease. But it doesn't say that miracles will cease. What I want you to understand today is when we talk about miracles ceasing, it can be awfully confusing for folk because the Lord's power has not been diminished. What has changed is his methodology. Stay with me now. I know that the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But that's in terms of who he is, not how he works. He worked with the children of Israel one way under the old law, but today he works with us in a different way. The same God 
working what he does, but in a different way. All of us have said at one time or another, I'm so glad God doesn't deal with us the way he dealt with Israel. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You did something wrong, you dropped dead. The Bible says those who who fell down and worshipped that golden calf, a thousand of them died that day. See, God in the Old Testament was God of right now. When you did something wrong, they get you right then. Today, he's long-suffering with us. Not willing that any should perish, so he gives us time. Thank God for grace and mercy. Because if we didn't have that, we'd all be miserable. We'd have been gone a long time ago. If, 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 if it was strictly about what we do, God would have snatched us up a long time ago. Big hand just come out of heaven and grab you around your throat and shake you till you can't see straight. But thank God, that's not the God we serve today. We serve a God who's heartbroken when we sin. And when we don't do what's best for us to do, but listen to this. The scriptures really don't suggest to us that miracles have ceased, but that methodology has ceased. In other words, God doesn't do miracles today the way he did them in the first century. When Jesus walked this earth, We're not talking about methodology. We're talking about the power of God that has never changed. That's why Jesus says, whatsoever you ask of me in faith, I'll give it. That's why he says, anything you ask of me believing, I'll give it to you. How do you define anything? He didn't say anything except. He didn't say whatsoever except. Anything. That would suggest that God has the power still to do anything he wants to do. But we don't need to get hung up in the methodology, folks. God still performs miracles, but not in the same way he did in the New Testament. He doesn't have to literally touch your blind eyes to give sight today. Can you hear that? When Jesus walked the earth, he made some mud and put on a man's eye. Oftentimes, he would touch them or say something or pray over them before they were healed. Well, I want you to understand today, he's no less capable of that. He just doesn't have to literally touch your blind eyes. Or neither does he have to literally touch your deaf ears. To restore your hearing. Neither does he have to touch your body to heal you. 
but he certainly can and does provide a cure for us. Through the knowledge he provides doctors and those who do research and find cures for what ails us. Can you hear what I'm saying today? If you're expecting God to touch your eyes to restore your sight, he's saying, I don't have to do that no more. Today, the miracle that I'm going to work is give this young doctor who is a researcher, I'm going to give her or him the expertise to discover the cure for what you're dealing with. Healing is healing. Don't get caught up in the methodology. The woman who touched Jesus' garment that we talked about on last week lays the foundation for this kind of thinking because this woman had the faith to believe that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she would be healed. Now let me go further with this. Jesus didn't have anything to say to her first. He didn't have to touch her first. He didn't even have to know who she was before she touched it. None of the regular things apply. It was only after she touched him and he felt the power leave him. That he asked, who touched me? No wonder the disciples were so confused. They said, Jesus, there are hundreds of folk brushing up against you. What are you talking about? But in the midst of all of those hundreds who were pushing and shoving and touching him all over, there was one who touched him that was different from the rest. That caused him to ask, who touched me? Disciples said, Lord, everybody, what are you talking about? And the Bible says, Jesus said, I felt some power. Leave me. So even though 45 are touching me, there's somebody in here in this crowd who has some faith and who touched me with a touch of faith. Somebody touched me believing that I could heal them without them even knowing I was in the audience. Jesus said that her faith had made her whole. It was a distinctive touch of faith. So, as I conclude, here's the point. We get used to seeing God work in certain ways and not in others. And because we close off certain things that we've never seen God do before, we come to believe, many of us, that there are certain things he doesn't do anymore. I would have you know today that God is capable of doing whatever he's always done. But it's his business if he wants to change his methodology. Different generations demand different things. 
But the word doesn't change. And that is that God can do anything. Anything. He chooses to do. But often we lock him down. If it's not something we used to seeing, then God doesn't do it anymore. If it's not something we've seen before, well, God doesn't do that anymore. To us, he doesn't do things the way he did them before. So we don't believe he does them. We often miss Jesus because we are only looking for him to answer us in certain ways. That's why the disciples missed Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. They weren't expecting him. And then when he showed up, he showed up and did something they'd never seen anybody do. Showed up walking on water. We're afraid of the unknown. That which hasn't been done before us. Some are no doubt experiencing, because of their faith, some things that some others have never thought to even ask of. Whatever we're afraid of is our fault, though. And it will eventually defeat us if we don't trust Jesus to be with us always. And if you don't believe that Jesus is with you, you must live, you must walk around on eggshells. Especially in the world we living in today. We must be creeping around because we don't know if we by ourselves or whether we need to look over our shoulders. We don't know what to do. Some folk are afraid to go out at night. But Jesus came to his disciples at three in the morning. (laughs) When most folk are asleep. Jesus came to them when they were having a storm, the mother of storms, and just walked out to them to let them know, I'm here. Don't be concerned. I got this. To this end, we deserve the life we've chosen. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't trust Jesus, you deserve the life you've chosen. You deserve to walk around on eggshells. You deserve to be tossed and turned with every wind of doctrine because you won't trust in Jesus who said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the ages. You want to walk around chained and racked with fear? You need to know that you don't have to live that way. There is another way. And, and I, want to, I want to leave this with you this morning. This is something we've heard probably in many different arenas. But it's certainly appropriate this morning. There's the account told of a man who was stranded on a rooftop in a flood. And he prayed to Jesus that Jesus would rescue him. And as the story goes... As he was praying, even a man came by in a lifeboat, told him, get in. He said, no, I'm waiting for Jesus. I've been praying, I'm going to wait for Jesus. Not long thereafter, a man came by in a helicopter. 
dropped him a line, told him, grab a hold of the line and we're going to hoist you up. He said, no, 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 I've been praying. I'm waiting on Jesus. As his account goes, somebody else came out and threw him a buoy and said, just grab a hold to the buoy and we'll pull you to safety. And he went down saying, I prayed and asked Jesus to come and rescue me. I'm going to wait for Jesus. You know, that may be funny in some ways, but that's where a lot of us live. We've been praying for Jesus to deliver us from something, and we're only looking for him to come in one way. So here he is over here coming three, four, five, six times, and we stand there waiting. Well, you know, Jesus ain't never answered my prayer like that. I know how he going to answer it now. Somebody know I need this, and they going to pick up the phone and call me. and Or I'm going to just be walking down the street and trip over a bundle of money. That's the way you want it. That even may be the way you received it in the past. But there's nothing that says that the Lord will keep on using that methodology. He may choose today to come to you in the person of somebody you can't stand. He may put the words in the mouth of somebody who only has a seventh grade education. And you saying to yourself, you ain't got nothing to say to me. We're not on the same level. I can't even talk to you good because you can't understand my language. But God may have put the lesson of a lifetime for you in his mouth. Sometimes he'll put it in the mouth of a child. Somebody you don't want to accept it from. God is beyond finding out, folks. Just like he came out there walking on the Sea of Galilee that night, even though they thought he was a ghost, he says, it's me. Oh, those must have been some comforting words. Be of good cheer. Get happy. It's me. It's me. Don't be afraid. If you're afraid this morning, that's your fault. That's strictly on you. You can stay scared as long as you want to. But I sure don't want to be around a scared person. Ooh, Lord. If you've ever been around a scared person, they can't talk right. They're looking around. They, they, they don't know which way to turn because they're scared. And that's why God has a difficult time dealing with folk who are afraid. So all he says, he didn't perform another miracle to assure them. He just said, it's me. When Jesus says, it's him, if there ain't enough for you, you deserve to live the way you live. You deserve to live in fear. I do know this. I've seen people who should be dead and who are still here. 
I believe God has something to do with that. I've seen people that the doctors tell them, we don't know how you still here. Everything you suffering with suggests that you ought to be gone. But they still here up walking around. That's because of the prayers of somebody who has some faith in God. Keep on praying. Whoever you are that has that kind of faith in God, keep on praying. I've seen people cold. And the Lord sent them back. (laughs) Cold again. And the Lord sent them back. I know he's intervened in my life time after time after time after time. And why I need to keep seeing him intervene without trusting him fully, I don't know. But every one of us can think of a time when the Lord intervened for us. And things didn't happen the way we thought they were going to happen. Because he had to step in and show us, no, I'm in charge here. Oh, I know there are a lot of things to be afraid of. Financial obligations, unemployment, death. But through all of it, Jesus says, be of good cheer. It's me. I got you. Don't be afraid. I hope you'll come to him this morning and not be afraid. Don't be afraid to say, I believe him. I take him at his word. Don't be afraid to say, I'm willing to turn my life on this world and stop living the way I've been living. Because Jesus has spoken peace into my life. I'm not afraid to confess today that I know him. I'm not ashamed to confess that I know him. And I'm certainly not ashamed to be baptized and added to the body. He's coming back to receive. It's Jesus. Don't be afraid. Let's stand.